Hey, true crime fans, have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents. Each week, us gals pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime. Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to the topic. Past episodes include necrophilia, cults, crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, exorcisms gone wrong, all this over a bottle of wine, or let's be real, three. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod, and check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Cheers! Welcome to Resting Witch Face, your one-stop haunt for all things spooky, bitchy, and more. I'm Bailey Bennett. I'm Grant Jacoby. And today, we have the pleasure of recording this podcast while some other people in the building are loudly listening to a football game. And while Just this- listening, not watching. <laughs> not, not, yeah. <laughs> they're listening to a football game podcast. No, <laughs> they're watching it on the screen and they're screaming along, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, it's like, it is annoying, but it's also nice knowing that I don't have to watch the game and I can do this instead because personally I would rather talk. I mean, I'd rather do almost anything than watch sports, but talking about murder and ghosts and witches and shit is exactly what I want to be doing other than talking about sports. Agreed. Great. I I had this thought the other day where I was like, what's going to happen if I have a child one day that like wants to like throw a ball around in the backyard oh my god you're gonna have to kill them i'm I'm gonna have to be like that's what you do right i'm gonna be like well oh my god uh, i never thought about that like what if my child wants to join a soccer game well i'm called soccer team soccer league (laughs) well i think i mean i i think we have to accept the fact that no matter what it is kind of like our childhood requirement to play sports because i sure i know what sports did you play? Well, I played, I was on a soccer team when I was like six or seven, Me but too. I have these like very specific memories where I think I kicked the ball like one time the entire mm-hmm. season because I would stand in the middle of the field and there was, there would be like, you know, when there's like moist dirt that is like very mm-hmm. like shapeable, mm-hmm. like it's almost like clay. Yes. And I specifically remember just standing in the middle of the field and shaping tiny cubes out of wet dirt and my parents like yelling from the sidelines being like the ball is coming towards you like do you want to move at all and i'd be like i'm working on a cube i'm I'm, so sorry i'm really busy i just it's not for me and you for forcing me to be here so this is what i'm gonna fucking do um i have a vivid memory of when i was probably around the same age like during us like a scrimmage is that what it's called like when you just like played your team like you're Mm -hmm. just like split your team in half and i got the ball and i was like going towards the goal and I was like there's no one blocking me I've nailed it and then I hear someone be like Grant that's our goal oh my god I did the same fucking yeah. thing which is why we now have this podcast together um 
but soulmates baby we are but yeah i played soccer and i played basketball and i did t-ball oh wow and i did cross country for maybe six days uh-huh. and i did a season of crew wow. in high school which was horrible oh my god you were athletic i was very <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i was like okay at volleyball oh i love volleyball yeah. I, I used to play volleyball at camp all the time okay i'm so sorry why are we talking about sports on our podcast <laughs> What what have we become? How did this happen? I think we just just started having a conversation. Oh I'm so sorry. I forgot there were other uh, people listening to this. Uh, you guys, right. I'm so sorry we just put you through that. Yeah, let's um uh bring it back around okay. to uh scary things. I I wanted to say there are like so many great like horror movies slash series coming out mm-hmm. because obviously because it's Halloween time, but mm-hmm. like we have the remake of Halloween coming out, mm, but then I'm like so Suspiria, which yes. we're obviously we're gonna, we have to see it together because yes. I the combination of our dear friend Luca mm-hmm. plus the creepiest shit I've ever seen yep. with like a remake of a creepy Italian horror film, we have to a giallo, if you will. I will not. <laughs> and uh, I'm also I'm actually really excited for the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I am too. I. I'm I'm hesitant only because well I'm hesitant for a number of reasons. One, I'm not a huge what's her name? Karen Karen and Shipka. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of hers. Oh, just, I kind of like her. I mean, she's cute and yeah. like she's on a I just like found her so fucking annoying on Mad Men. But, I didn't like, also, really I didn't really watch Mad Men. No one was ever like Sally Draper is like yeah. <laughs> the feminist hero we all need. <laughs> right. She was like playing a four-year-old and you were like, I just really didn't enjoy yeah, her I'm like, work. Ugh. Um and also I just Anything that's like the same producers as Riverdale, I'm like, yeah, I know, Ugh. yeah. But also, it's, I mean, the Sabrina character lives in the same Archie Comics world know, as the, which is so weird. Which is so weird. But I mean, I, I personally actually wasn't really a huge fan of the Melissa Joan Hart version what? of Sabrina. I just don't like. I just think it's way too like cheesy, lighthearted, like family sitcom. And I'm really excited for it to be like an actually dark version, oh, yes. which is kind of like what the original story was. Well, Sabrina for me was like the gateway into, um, not to use last week's buzzword, the macabre, because. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I think I, I still liked kind of like spooky, like Halloween things. Yeah. Um, but being like eight or nine, like I wasn't really allowed to right. watch more grown up horror right, right, things right. until like I turned like 10 or 11 and my parents just like didn't give a shit. Right. And they're like, sure, you can watch Buffy. Yeah. Um, I feel like that. I feel like Charmed was kind of oh, that for me. That That's just right, let's not yeah, Let's not talk about that reboot. Yeah. Um, um, oh, what I was going to say is, oh, I, just, I loved Sabrina. And like I... Probably a year or so ago, I'm pretty sure it's all on Hulu or was on Hulu. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to rewatch it. And it's going to be like a nice mindless fun. I think I made it through like one or two episodes. And I was like, yeah, but it's geared towards children. Yeah, because, well, I don't really like her that much. I think she's like fucking annoying. She's fine. I don't know. But she's I, cute. yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this version. I just, um, the trailer came out a, f- a few weeks ago and it just looks like they really are leaning into that creepiness like mm-hmm. they're there it's like all it's like a coven um so yeah I'm and american horror story just started back up sorry not to like no it's fine i have never seen an episode of american horror story okay i'm very torn about how i feel about american horror story because uh-huh. it's not good i'm okay. gonna put that out there it's not good i heard, i thought it was good so or did it used to be good it's one of those shows so each season is like a different story Right. Um, with a lot of 
um, repeating, like the actors come back, but they just play new parts. Mm-hmm. And there's some like crossover mythology and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, little Easter eggs, if you will. Sure. Um, and sometimes like characters like pop back up again. Like Sarah Paulson will sometimes play like three characters in one season. Okay. Um, but it's one of those things where like the, like the first episode of the season comes out and it's intriguing and you're like, oh my God. And it's also like, like a crazy talented cast. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like a, a lot of really, really amazing women. And then about like four or five episodes in, you're kind of like, oh, like this mm. is going off the rails, but like I'm already kind of invested. I'm yeah. like, I kind of want to see it through. And then it ends and you're like, oh, okay. Like, okay, I guess I spent my time doing that. The first like three-ish seasons were were, were pretty good. Okay, um, what's been your favorite season? Uh, the second season, which is Asylum, is okay. my favorite. And then- Is it the kind of, sorry, is it the kind of thing where you can just like start on any season? Or yes. Do you, okay. Yes. Um, people love- Season three, which is Coven, uh-huh. which I think the season you might enjoy the most. Okay. Part and um, let us know what your favorite American Horror Story seasons are, everyone. Like, um, wait, are we talking about witches on this podcast? Called sometimes. Um, but it's it, it for me. It's just like there's certain tropes that emerge in the series, and a lot of it is that characters die and then come right back to life oh. in some capacity, and it just gets really old. And then yeah. it's kind of like, it's kind of like um, no, I don't think I have another example. Okay. Uh. It just it it frustrates me as a viewer because then it's like it's well then I'm not writing. and I'm not then invested yeah. when someone dies because I know they're gonna come back yeah and so if it's like a shocking it's mm-hmm. like doesn't end up being I don't know okay but the new season Apocalypse just came out or okay. first episode I watched it that's fair okay I had literally had no idea there even was a new season but cool the only connection I have to that which I have spoken about so many times already is that one time I went to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Orlando and I went through the American Horror Story house which I think was like um freak show Mm. was that a season Mm -hmm. it was yeah that um that house was fucking terrifying so I can I can attest to the fact that I did not like like weird clowns coming in my face Mm. while there was a strobe light happening next to me um weird clowns doing what in your face did I say coming in my face? Yep. Okay. Keep Great. it in. That's what I, that's exactly what I meant. Uh, <laughs> While weird strobe lights are next to you. That is, <laughs> we just are painting a picture. Sometimes I start a sentence and I literally have no idea where it's going. It's actually most, most of the times I speak on this podcast, that's, that's what's happening. That's so. like, that's me in those social situations when like, I feel oh, like yeah. I need to like chime in just so I feel like oh, I'm included. Yeah. And then I'm just like, this story isn't going anywhere. I mean, both of us, <laughs> both of us, it's just like constant hearing the sounds Const- of our own voices. Yeah, constant, this like diary of I mouth. must have something to add. Let me just yeah, start sure. with the, like also and then see what happens. It's just like a, a constant game of yes and. Yes, but we're not doing it that well. No. I only got to improv 201 at UCB, so oh, well. I need some fucking more experience. Uh, all right, let's, should we? Yeah, let's. Let's, let's get this train back on track. Let's do it. Okay. Badass bitches. I'm going to talk about a badass bitch this week. Her name is Jasmine Jessamine Rodriguez. And so I guess one thing that I haven't talked that much about on this podcast, I used to work in food and travel um, and was something that I was really, really into. And there are a lot of really badass women in the food industry and a ton of really cool chefs out there who are, you know, the food industry is very much like a male dominated game. So it's, and it's really difficult for a woman to actually work her way up in that industry. Um, So I want to talk about Jessamine Rodriguez, who is the founder of Hot Bread Kitchen, which is this, this is something that I've known about for a few years, but it's, it's basically a bakery um, in East Harlem, New York, 
that helps to professionally train low-income and immigrant women in oh, wow. in the art of bread making and bakery management. Cool. Um, so it's like it's specifically to teach them how to make bread, but it's and by it, it's something that this woman Jessamine started like in her own kitchen in Brooklyn because she wanted to help these women and give them an actually marketable skill and something mm-hmm. that's just that's just really grown. And by this point, they've helped hundreds of women. It's a nine month training program that they get paid while they're doing it. So you can actually go to like the hot bread kitchen bakery and get, you know, buy purchase bread from these women. And they also, um, you know, sell to different restaurants and stores and things like that. So it's something that the women can get paid while they're in training. And then they can go into, um, obviously go into the field after that. And I think I read this, the statistic that, um, graduates earn on average 70% more money than they did before they went through the training program. That's amazing. Um, And they've helped hundreds of women at this point um, just like learn that really marketable skill. And they bake 75 different types of bread, I guess. In in, in 2016, they were making 75 different types. And a lot of them are recipes that the women actually have brought from their home countries because it's a lot of immigrant women. And they're just kind of like spreading that love and that knowledge while also learning this skill that's helping them to really flourish here. Um, And I think she's, Jessamine is just a really, really cool lady. And the fact that she, I read actually on their website, they have the history of how this came to be. And apparently, I guess back like many years ago when she started this, she was interviewing at um, Women's World Banking and she was telling a friend about it who misheard her and thought that she said women's world baking and that like stuck in her head so much that she decided that she wanted to like make that a reality um which Incredible. i think is is just really cool and we need more more women like her we do yeah women supporting women mm-hmm. um we also need men supporting women yes um very cool i love that uh my badass bitches of the week. Um, I'm surprised I haven't done these ladies yet. Obviously we, we love Sherry Appleby from oh, Roswell, but I have to kind of couple her with Constance Zimmer to talk about how brilliant they both are on, on the TV show Unreal. Oh my God. Have we not done this yet? I don't think we have. I mean, I don't care. Let's talk about it anyway. I love so them. for those of you that have never seen Unreal, it is, um, you must. And yeah. it is a kind of a fictional behind the scenes show about like a bachelor style reality TV show. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of like about the producers yes, of a yes, show yes, yes, like yes. The Bachelor. So uh, Sherry Appleby plays one of the producers and Constance Zimmer plays um, the showrunner. And they're both really, I mean, the the show itself kind of goes into a tailspin and like never mm-hmm. really quite recovers um, yeah. to the point where Lifetime kind of dumped the last season like unceremoniously on Hulu, like a couple months after the previous season had aired. Yeah. Um, but the the acting work that these two gals do is really out of this world and yeah. have to deal with some very um, strange plot twists, mm-hmm. but they do it with such finesse that it feels normal. And yeah. um, especially, you know, they're representing women, um, positions of power, um, but then also women who are dealing with mental health issues and... Um, and it's not the classic, like, we're trying to have it all. It's yeah. like, no, like, there's a lot of deep shit that goes yeah. on. And they do it so well. And, um... Yeah, I feel like I've... Every time I try to ex- 
explain to people why they should watch this show. It's like, I don't fucking give two shits about The Bachelor. Like, I never watched that show and I don't care about it. But for some reason, this show, especially the first season, the first season is stellar stellar television. And yeah, these, these women characters, these female characters are so complex and they, they're, these actresses just play the roles so brilliantly that you can't look away it's so fascinating you're like i cannot stop watching because i have to know what happens Mm -hmm. and that's just like the best kind of tv obviously yes um but yes sorry go go ahead no i just was gonna say that i think that i i want to see more i want to see more female characters on television and movies that are complex and um have like really interesting unconventional arcs Mm -hmm. and just really allow the women or the people to who play them to um really take a bite out of it yeah um really show what what they can do Mm because i think that unfortunately in you know mainstream media a lot of women are just kind of like the wife Mm -hmm. or the girlfriend or the daughter and kind of just like support the the male lead which Mm -hmm. is this is quite the opposite case even within kind of an ensemble tv show setting so um, yeah and it's like fine for a female to not be good all the time oh fuck yeah and to not be quiet and polite Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what these women are doing so absolutely and i just like to add that you know since the show is over um is it I, not coming back for another season? No, it, it ended. Really? Yeah, four seasons and that's it. Wait, I haven't seen the fourth season. Me neither, actually. It's on Hulu. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Um, but I want. I hope that these two actresses get a lot more work and get to kind of continue to um, really? flex those um, skills. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Oh, oh. All right. Well... I've got a bummer for you today. Great. Um, so this is a story that, um, obviously I'm telling the story time, and I, this is something I wanted to do for a while. Uh, I started thinking about it a lot after you did the Elizabeth Smart case. Because mm-hmm. I started thinking about things that happened in our lifetimes that okay, I like, yeah, yeah. Being, remember being like very kind of shook by. Okay. Um, so this this falls under kind of the like true crime Umbrella, but it definitely is a deviation from some of our more spooky shit. But I, I still think you'll enjoy hearing about it because I'm gonna today I'm gonna talk about Diane Schuler and the 2009 Taconic State Parkway crash. Oh, I don't think I know about this. Maybe I, I'm sure I'll yeah. recognize it when you start talking. It is. About it. Um, well, obviously it happened in 2009, and mm-hmm. it kind of became a resurgence in the media when um, the documentary "There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane" came out. Okay. On HBO. Okay, I've heard of this, but I don't. I don't think I know like anything oh, about this. Cool. Fantastic. Okay, well, here great. I am to really buckle up. Okay. Literally, because we're talking about a car crash. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> All right. Oh, here we go. It's one of those damn, days. It is. All right. Um, the candy corn is back out. It's taking effect. <laughs> Um, all right. So the 2009 Taconic State Parkway crash was a traffic collision that occurred shortly after 1.30 p.m. on Sunday, July 26th in 2009 on, you guessed it, the Taconic State Parkway, Parkway um, near Briarcliff Manor, New York. I have been on the Taconic many, many oh, times. Oh, yes. We're, we're not. Yeah. We're pretty, like, just a little bit north of New York City. Okay. Um, the crash was the worst fatal motor vehicle accident to occur in Westchester County since July 1934 oh when a, a bus crashed in Ossining claiming 25, 20 lives. Wow. Um, so, a little backstory on how this came to be. So, around 9.30 a.m. on Sunday, July 26th, 2009, mm-hmm. 
36-year-old Diane Schuler left the Hunter Lake Campground in Parksville, New York, in a red 2003 Ford Windstar that belonged to her brother. She had been staying at the campground with her husband, Daniel, her two children, a son and a daughter, and her three nieces. Mm-hmm. Um, riding in the car with Diane were all of the children. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so her five-year-old son, her two-year-old daughter, and as I mentioned, her brother's three daughters, which were aged um, seven, eight, and five. Babies, all truly Little, babies. Okay. Um, her husband Daniel left the campground around the same time in his pickup truck with the family dog. Diane stopped at a McDonald's and then at a Sunoco gas station in Liberty, New York. While at the gas station, Diane can be seen on the surveillance video with no, um, which does not have any sound to it. But you can see her entering and attempting to buy over-the-counter pain relief medication. But the mm-hmm. gas station did not um, sell any, so she um, leaves. And it had been reported prior to this day that Diane had been complaining of severe tooth pain, um, which is potentially theorized as to why she needed to stop on this um, drive back home okay. to get some get some time. Uh, Diane left the gas station just after 11 a.m., traveling along Interstate 86 and the New York Thruway, which is Interstate 87, crossing the Tappan Zee Bridge heading east um, back to where they lived on Long Island. Um, about a half an hour later, at 11.37 a.m., Diane called her brother, Warren Hance, um, who was the father of the three girls that were in the car with her. Mm-hmm. Um, she reportedly told him that they were being delayed by traffic. According to a police report, Diane was seen by witnesses at approximately 11.45 a.m. by the side of the road with her hands on her knees as if vomiting. Oh. She was then seen again in the same position a short time later near the Ramapo rest stop. Okay. Um, several witnesses later reported seeing a red minivan driving aggressively, including tailgating, flashing headlights, honking the horn, moving in and out of lanes, and straddling lanes. Oh, no. Yeah, it's not good. It doesn't get better. Uh Um, Around 1 p.m., another call was made to Warren from Diane's cell phone. However, during this call, one of her nieces was on the phone and reportedly told her father, um, that there was something wrong with Aunt Diane. Oh my God, no, that makes me want to die. Okay. Um, furthermore, saying that she was having trouble seeing and speaking clearly. Okay, so that's when you pull over and you stop driving the car full yeah. of all of the children you know and love. Yep. Okay. Uh, Diane herself then talked to her brother and said that she was disoriented and couldn't see clearly. Um, naturally, Warren told Diane to stay off the road and to pull over and he would come and meet them and help her. Mm-hmm. Um, so... He got in his car and came to try and find them. However, follow-up calls from Warren to Diane were not answered. Um, And furthermore, for some unknown reason, she left her cell phone on the side of the highway, which was uh, found later by um, another motorist on the side of the road uh, near the toll lanes of the Tappan Zee. Mm -hmm. So... It's it's a little confusing sometimes. I'm mentioning a lot of different, like, timestamps and, like, locations. So... Just to give you some context, I apologize if these this mileage is not entirely correct, mm-hmm. um, because uh, a lot of it is kind of guesstimated. But it's worth noting that the distance from Parksville, where the campground was, back to West Babylon, where they lived, was a total of 149 miles and should only have taken roughly two and a half hours. Okay. Why was she driving with all the kids? Because her husband had a pickup truck. Okay. And so he couldn't fit. Okay the kids and she had a minivan okay and in theory when you are a, a theoretical responsible adult yeah you should it shouldn't right, be right, an right. issue um 
So it should only take you two and a half hours to get back. However, it's really quite unclear how after four hours, Diane had only made it to the Tappan Zee Bridge, which is only 89 miles and about an hour and a half from the campground. Oh, God. Um, the documentary does a much better job of this, but kind of tracing um, on a map mm-hmm. the distance. But it's, and again, she initially had claimed that they'd hit traffic, but. Yeah. I mean. Not enough to delay something that I should have taken an hour and a half to get to the bridge. It took almost four hours. Yeah. Um, and furthermore, in Liberty, where she stopped for gas at McDonald's and pain meds, was only about a seven minute and four-mile drive from the campground. Oh, so wow. why did it take Diane over an hour to get there? Yeah, what? Okay. Very bizarre. So they don't know why? So they, like could it have been that she was like dry, like taking a route they didn't un- they didn't know that she was taking or like circling back on herself or like stopping on the side of the road for long periods of time? I'm sure all of that is okay. possible. Um there's a lot of <laughs> deep Reddit threads about this case. Mm-hmm. So if that's something you want to kind of take a look at, yeah, by I don't all means. Reddit, so I can't <laughs> I mean, either. I actually, I was trying to get some information from it. And then I just was like, oh, this is this, all, this, just, this is it. even more bullshit than Wikipedia, where I took most of this from. Cool. Um, long story short, she's driving around, kind of erratically, not on her should-be route, mm-hmm. and something is obviously clearly very, very wrong. Right. And despite the fact that she is calling seemingly to get help, um, including pulling over on the side of the road, she continues to keep driving. Okay. Um, at uh, 1.33 p.m., so about half an hour after the last phone call was made to her brother, uh, two drivers called 911 after noticing Diane's car edging onto the northbound exit ramp of the Taconic State Parkway. And the reason they called is because the exit ramp is marked with two signs that read do not enter and two signs that read one way. Oh, no. This is like, like oh. this is my worst nightmare. Um, but the car reportedly did not seem to flinch or kind of try to veer off as Diane merged onto the highway going in the wrong direction. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, within the next minute, four more 911 calls were placed, reporting that a car was traveling the wrong way down the parkway going approximately 75 to 85 Jeez. miles an hour. Christ. So, Bailey, we help us paint a picture because you have also been the Taconic. Yeah. This is not... Oh, my God. ...a little road. This is a big fucking highway. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is... This is horrible. I hate this. I mean, there's, like, there's no highway where it's... You would be fine driving in the opposite direction. No, no, no. 80 miles an hour. No, 80 miles an hour. And it is reported that um, during what happened next, witnesses have claimed that as the car was going 85 miles an hour, um, which only was on its route for um, less than two minutes. Uh, The car never swerved once as if she was on some sort of unknown mission. Because also you would think realistically, if you were accidentally got on the going, driving the wrong way and you see suddenly all of the traffic coming towards you, you would maybe pull over. I mean, clearly there's something wrong with her. Yes. And we will get to that. Something wrong with Aunt Diane. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Cue trailer. Um, So, she gets onto the highway going the wrong direction and she travels for south for about 1.7 miles in the parkway's northbound passing lane before, unfortunately, colliding head-on um, with a 2004 Chevrolet Trailblazer, which then kind of ricocheted off and struck another uh, a 2002 Chevrolet Tracker. What a trailblazer. I don't know why it's important that the... That the oh, you, you fucking <laughs> asshole. So sorry. Um, Ugh. Okay. Yep. And um, I'm just uncomfortable, so yes. I'm making jokes. Yep. 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 
such as this podcast. Um, at the time of impact, Diane was traveling approximately 85 miles an hour, which also is a really That's fucking fast. That's really fucking fast, um, which is literally exactly what you said. And I said it right back to you, but <laughs> I, I'm just distraught. It. No, it's good. It's um, You can distract us. I try to maneuver. Oh, my God. My, my iPad's freaking out. Um, stop. Just leave me hanging, please. Just, yeah. like, click around for a few minutes. I don't need updates. <laughs> um... So she strikes the car head on, which is bad, yeah, really bad. So three three car accident, and I'm pretty sure uh, at the time of impact, her car flips and rolls down into this kind of like embankment. Perfect. Uh, two men who witnessed the accident and saw smoke rising out of the van ran over to um, assist the occupants. Um, after removing uh, first Diane from the van, who was who died on impact. Okay. Um, they tried to pull the girls out of the out of the back seat and noticed that they all had no pulse. Furthermore, and this is just one of the worst parts, the children did not appear to have been in car seats or even oh had seatbelts fastened and were thrown together in such a manner that the the men who came to assist didn't even notice that Diane's son Brian was in the car stuck under another child. Oh my god. <gasps> um so as I mentioned, Diane, along with her daughter, and two of her nieces were dead at the scene of the crash, along with all three occupants of the car she struck head-on, which included 81-year-old Michael Bastardi, his 49-year-old son Guy, and their friend 74-year-old Dan Longo. Um, luckily, the two occupants of the third vehicle involved in the accident only suffered minor injuries. Okay. So there's some solace in that. Yeah. Um, Diane's severely injured third niece, um, as well as her five-year-old son Brian, were taken to nearby hospitals, um, unfortunately, um, her niece died later that day, but um, Brian miraculously survived and was the only survivor of the um, oh my God. of the collision from that car. Um, but he did suffer from several broken bones and severe head trauma. Wow! But thank God he was okay. Yeah. So naturally, mm. some questions began mm-hmm. to arise of how this could possibly yeah. have occurred. Yeah. Um. So naturally, one of the first things they did was a toxicology report, right? Um, which was done on August fourth by the Westchester County Medical Examiners, and found that Diane had a blood alcohol blood alcohol content of 0.19 percent. Oh, that's really high. Um, really fucking high, with approximately six grams of alcohol al- alcohol 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 still in her stomach that had yet to be absorbed into her blood. Um, Fuck. So she was like actively consuming something as this was happening. Mm-hmm. Great, 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 great. Uh, great. It is worth noting that the legal limit for driving while intoxicated in New York State, as I believe in in the entire country, is 0.08%. Oh, my God. So I tried to do some research to figure out kind of like what that entails, because I've always found blood alcohol content to be like kind of confusing. Um, The research I found kind of basically said that it really... It really fucking it, depends. Right. So if you and I were sitting here, each drinking a glass of wine, let's say we had three glasses of wine... We had a piece of pizza. There's mm-hmm. like there's a chance that like your blood alcohol content because you're female, you're smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure our drinking habits yeah. are different. Would be very very different from mine. Right. Um, that being said, um, according to TrafficTicketUSA.com, mm-hmm. when a person has a blood alcohol content of 0.16 to 0.19, which is what Diane had, um, it is said that the drinker has an appearance of a, a sloppy drunk. And that, um, including dysphoria and nausea, and at this level of intoxication, you are 30 times more likely to be involved in an accident. Jesus. Yeah, that's that's high. It's really, like... For w- driving a car with all of your children in it, 
it's pretty much unforgivable. Yes, unforgivable. Okay. Uh, the medical examiner report also said that Diane had high levels of THC in her system, oh. which we know as being marijuana. Um, oh. So that um, wasn't great. So there still were a lot of questions that arose around this kind of findings, particularly from Diane's husband, Daniel. Right. Um, because he claimed that, and very, very vehemently claimed that he was confident that his wife, there was no way his wife could have been drunk at the time of the accident. Well, she was. Well, yes. But, okay. <laughs> um, and this kind of spiraled into gaining a lot of media attention, not only for the sheer nature of the accident, but also because of the fallout that occurred, which I will tell you about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a press conference that was held on August 8th, uh, Daniel Schuler and his attorney, Dominic Barbara, um, initially denied that Diane ever did drugs or was drinking that weekend at the lake since all the children were with them. Naturally, of course, these reports are coming out that she was mm-hmm. indeed very drunk. Right. And so Daniel then changed his story and um, saying and said that she never drank to excess. Yeah. But still maintained that there was no way she could have been drunk while driving that day. Um, furthermore, um, Daniel kind of continued on this kind of media circus Trail, um, including getting interviewed by both Larry King and Oprah, mm-hmm. um, who br- brought up the fact that um, at the scene, there was a broken bottle of vodka that was discovered in the van. Oh. Um, and Daniel claimed that he always kept an old bottle in their camper. Um, he further stated that Diane did all the packing for the camping trip, so she must have just moved the empty bottle into the van. Sure. Because that's what one does when one finds okay. an empty bottle of yeah, vodka. Yeah, makes sense. Um. Daniel continued to deny that his wife ever did drugs, um, but then changed his story once again by telling investigators that his wife smoked um, pot only occasionally, and another family member told People Magazine that she would only use it to um, relieve her insomnia. I mean, what what bothered me about this is like, it's fine if you fucking drink alcohol and if you smoke pot. Like, I don't care if you spent the weekend drinking. It's just like... That doesn't necessarily, like, really speak to why she was that fucking drunk at, like, 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. With a car full of children. Yeah, because that's, like, that's, it's, it doesn't matter if a person drinks or smokes, but it's, like, there must have been something else going on for a person who is normally, like, a responsible adult to mm-hmm. be in that situation. Mm-hmm. That's why this case is always fucking fascinating. Yeah. Because it's not... It's just, it's still for me, um, and there's obviously, there's more, but it's not, it's something feels very off about this whole situation, but that regardless doesn't change the fact that if you are a responsible adult and you want to indulge in alcohol and, you know, recreational drugs, and like you are in a position where you're not going to be hurting anyone, like who the fuck cares? Like, like get fucking drunk if it's like the proper scenario and like sleep it off and like. But there just is no, there's never any excuse to get behind the wheel. Of course. Even if you are alone in the car. Right. Um, I just don't think it, it doesn't speak to her character that she, it's it's not like, oh, well, she's the kind of person who drinks alcohol. Therefore, she's the kind of person who would drive with six, five children in the car while that drunk, whatever. Yes. You get it. I do. Okay, I do. We're, we're agreeing on the same yeah. thing. Let's move forward. The drunk driving is bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Uh, Daniel eventually admitted that he and his wife had been drinking during the camping trip, but denied that Diane had anything to drink on the day preceding the crash. Mm-hmm. So this is also where it's like, this fucking guy, and um, I've, I don't, 
I've seen the documentary and like, it's really sad because, you know, he's obviously trying to make sense with this horrible tragedy of, right. of how his wife could have been responsible for the death of their daughter and their three nieces. Right. Plus three other men. Right. Um, but it just, it's unfortunately, you know, his kind of, his reason for kind of being, doing this documentary and his his whole kind of like path after the accident was to kind of clear his wife's name and saying right. that there's no way that she, you know, she was a great mom, she was a great right. wife, et cetera. Um, it just really doesn't help his case that he keeps changing the story. And first yeah. it's like, she never right. drinks. And then it's, she never drinks to excess. And it's right. like, well, she drank on the trip, but not that day. Yeah. It's like, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's not great. It's not great. It's not great. However, um, the campground co-owner um, where they've been staying before the accident, um, apparently and apparently knew the Schulers very well, saw them off, and he actually saw them off at approximately 9 a.m. that morning. He claimed that Diane appeared sober. And the gas station employee, employee who Dan, Diane had asked for Tylenol around 11 a.m. also said that um, there was no way that or she did not appear drunk whatsoever. Mm, okay. Um, which, take with a grain of salt because... Right. I mean, the reality is she was drunk. Yes. So it's like something happened somewhere along yes. the line. Um, and according to uh, a man named Tom Ruskin, who was an investigator um, who was hired by Daniel to kind of reopen the case and figure out kind of what happened, none of the McDonald's employees um, also saw anything in Diane's behavior to suggest that she was intoxicated. In fact, she was observed to carry on an extended conversation while ordering her food. Okay. So... Maybe she just, like, didn't, like, and that's the thing is, like, so she just didn't slur her words or she wasn't, like, she didn't, like, have a bottle in hand. Like, like, maybe the fact that she was being really talkative with a McDonald's employee is because she was kind of drunk. Like, yeah, we don't know. Whatever. Um, Ruskin, who is the private eye, uh, told reporters in September that he had interviewed relatives, none of whom had ever seen her in a drunken state, and that um, he also um, pointed to the fact that autopsy results that in the autopsy results, there was an absence of organ damage often found with found in alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Although, um, and another medical examiner kind of combated that statement by saying that that doesn't necessarily rule out alcoholism just because like your river, your river, your liver isn't in like yeah, well, it, old decomp. <laughs> and also, she might have not been an alcoholic. There was just something that happened in this one instance. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm just going to keep yelling at you. No, it's no, it's no, <laughs> please. I like it. Great. Um, so this is kind of the theory that um, Daniel and uh, his lawyer, Mr. Barbara, kind of spun, which is that they believe that Diane drove erratically due to a medical issue such as a stroke or embolism potentially related to the fact that she was obese and suffered from diabetes. Okay. However, the results of the autopsy found that, like, because they can they can figure that out, and they right. were like, nope, she didn't suffer a stroke, an aneurysm, or a heart attack. Is there some, like, to me it sounds like she... This, I mean, this doesn't make a lot of sense, but, like, she was, like, trying to self-medicate herself because she was in some kind of pain. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Cool. Um, But uh, more and more, Daniel was consistently unhappy with the medical findings that Diane was drunk and or high at the time of the accident and requested numerous times for her hair to be retested for drug use and even at one point had her body exhumed for further testing. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, The documentary There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane suggests that Diane could have been suffering from... Severe pain caused by a tooth abscess during the drive home, um, mm-hmm. causing her to look for painkillers at the gas station and self-medicate with drugs and alcohol. The pain of the abscess combined with the vodka and marijuana could have put her into a temporary state of delirium and triggered her fatal behavior. I mean, if you like, if you are, if you really are a mom, like if you're a good mom or if you're a mom at all, like if you're a I'd, person, if you're a person, like 
you're not that's not going to come to mind when you're like driving with your children that you're like I'll just like drink a bottle of vodka and like smoke some weed and maybe I'll feel better yeah I mean that's I'm sorry that's uh, that sounds very like blamey of me but I'm just saying like that to uh, me there's some blame to the, I know she, she, no. she I believe takes should take all right, of the but blame I'm, I'm this, not but... trying to say that like moms can't drink alcohol of course and I also want to say that we're not shaming someone who is an alcoholic or has a problem no. with alcohol drugs you know because there are many 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 people who right. are alcoholics um who live very nice lives <laughs> sober lives very I don't nice. know yeah no but I'm not trying to find anyone it's just that most people who might have a drinking problem or who maybe decide to indulge in some vodka before 11 a.m don't end up killing seven people right like it's pretty extreme including themselves um I'm just saying I'm not that satisfied with that explanation oh, and that she was no. like, I'll just, I can't find Tylenol, so I'll just drink a bottle of vodka. Well, the the kind of the long story short of this scenario um, in the story is that there really isn't, nothing makes sense. So like, yeah. even if, you, so you have, and that's why this story is fascinating to me. It's like, okay, you have the facts. She was drunk. Yeah. She was, there was marijuana in her system that could have been from 15 minutes before the accident and it could have been a day before right. because I'm pretty sure true, true, THC true. stays in your that's system. That's very true, yeah. But regardless, she was drunk yeah. and she had, not only was she drunk, she had more alcohol in her stomach that it, like, so she was, she was drunk getting drunker. Yes. <laughs> um, right. And so why, why someone, regardless of the scenario, what kind of pain they're in would go to, would you, that was the solution they would go to. Right. Unless someone was a, literally forcing vodka down her throat, like there isn't any other explanation besides she drank it herself. She drank it herself and maybe it was some sort of psychotic break. Right. And like she, there was a bottle of vodka in the car and she just reached for it because like that was mm -hmm. the only like. Right. There's, and we'll never, and unfortunately we'll never know. Yeah. But um, there's just a little bit more. Um, I feel like you're, maybe you're going to touch on this, but. One of the kids survived. Yes. But how old was he? He was five. So he couldn't, he, like, has, have they, like, tried to interview him? I don't, not that I'm aware of. The documentary came out in 2011, which was about two years after the accident. Mm -hmm. So at that point, he only would be seven. Yeah. And it seems like the, most of the rest of the family have tried to stay out of the media. Um, to the point where the, 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 I'm pretty sure all the children who died, like, they don't even, like, list their names. They try to really kind of keep it. Yeah. So my assumption is that he would be too young or too... I don't know. But, right. Um, well, I mean, just, just like, I mean, like the police try to like find oh. any information of like, did he see her doing anything? Like, does he, I mean, like yeah. the five is very young, but yeah, it is. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. Okay. Um, so, uh, when Daniel appeared on Larry King live to demand more testing of his wife's remains, Dan Longo's brother, Joseph, um, just kind of context. Dan Longo was one of the men who was killed in the mm -hmm. accident. Um, issued a statement saying, um, I want Dan Schuler to know that he, he keeps inflicting more pain on all concerned once again by going to the media to try to paint the, the picture of a perfect wife and mother. Furthermore, uh, Michael Bastardi, who was also killed in the accident, his daughters appeared with their lawyer on NBC Today, during which they questioned Daniel's culpability, culpability in enabling his wife's substance abuse mm -hmm. and called for him to go under, undergo drug testing himself. Um, his daughter Margaret said, it makes me angry that he keeps denying it. Every time he does it, he brings it back for us. I just wish he would just admit that she was drunk. Maybe if he knows something, maybe if he knows what happened that morning, if they argued or something, that would be the truth. He wants the truth. So do we. 
Um, mm. Despite all investigations, in June 2010, the New York State Police issued a final report on the accident following 11 months of analysis. The report upheld the previous toxicology findings that Diane Schuler was indeed highly intoxicated and had high levels of THE, THC in her system at the time of the accident. Uh, furthermore, the crash was ruled a homicide soon after it occurred because the victims were killed due to Diane's negli negligent driving, regardless mm -hmm. of the toxicology findings. Mm -hmm. Westchester County um, District Attorney Janet DeFiori said that no charges would be filed in the incident because Diane was the only person responsible for the deaths. She said Diane Schuler died in the crash and the charges died with her. Do you think there's, I mean, you have no idea, but like, could there be a chance that she like was planning on doing this and she like basically hyped herself up by drinking? Oh God. I mean, I don't know why, but I like, don't know if she was like, for some, even if, even if it was a psychotic break or whatever it was, for some reason decided she like needed to crash this car and she like, like couldn't, yeah. she couldn't get herself to do it. So she like drinks a bottle of vodka. Oh, chills. I mean, but there, you said she was driving like she was on a mission. She was driving like she was on a mission. She drove around kind of in circles for hours. There's a chance that she was like thinking about it. She was thinking about it. And I mean, there are unfortunately, I mean, people like Andrea Yates who just like kill all their children and just right. like commit well, this right. kind of Because horrible... I think even if you're, even if you're super drunk, if you're driving the wrong way on the highway, you like, you get freaked out. You swerve like you're not um, in control oh, yeah. of the car. No, if she was like, like right. For almost two miles. That's crazy. So you know, there had to be people honking and yeah, like of course. swerving out of the, oh, oh it's, it's just like, a, it's a true nightmare. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Um, blah, blah, blah. All right. A little bit more. Yeah, so th this is where it just kind of continues to get yucky. Um, so the Bast the Bastardi family filed suit against Diane Schuler and her brother Warren Hance, seeking unspecified damages for um, wanton, willful, and reckless conduct. What did her brother have to do with it? Um, well, according to the family's lawyers, they were required by state law to include Warren Hance in the suit because he was the owner of the van that Diane was driving. That's so stupid. Yeah, so like, Sucks. go ahead and sue the father of Sorry, who lost oh, all of his children. Oh my god. After oh his God. his sister killed them. Um, in July 2011, Warren Hans's wife, Jackie, filed suit against Daniel Schuler, claiming that the three deceased, um, that her children suffered terror, fear of impending death, and extreme horror, frigid, and mental anguish before they were all killed. Mm. Um, on July 26, 2011, the day after the premiere of HBO's documentary, There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane, and the second anniversary of the crash, Daniel announced that he was suing the state of New York for not keeping the road safe <sighs> and has, and also sued his brother-in-law for being the owner of the minivan. Oh my God. Like it's so stupid. All of you stop. Yeah. I mean, I understand that it, it's like you want, you want to do something. You want there to be some justice. You want someone to pay for what happened, but it's like, that's just, none of this is helping anyone. No, it's just adding insult to injury. Yeah. Um, by July 2014, all lawsuits by all the parties were either settled or dropped, and but the documents were all sealed, so it's unclear if there were any settlements um, mm -hmm. made. So, just a couple positive notes to end okay. things on, because um, as I mentioned, this is a real bummer. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like I'm now like you maybe have convinced me that she did this on purpose. Mm. Um, in August 2009, New York Governor David Patterson proposed the Child Passenger Protection Act which would make it a felony to drive while intoxicated if a passenger under the age of 16 is in a vehicle. Uh, the proposal became known as Leandra's Law following the October 2009 death of 11-year-old Leandra Zotto, a passenger in a vehicle whose driver was drunk. Was that not already a law? I guess not. I guess it would... It would like, like intoxicated at all? 
I think so. Okay. And um, I think the difference is also that it'd be like a felony. Okay. So that's like, okay. that's some. Mm-hmm. It's worse crime. That is some hard prison time. Yeah. Um, lastly, Jackie and Warren Hance formed a foundation called the Fan- the Hance Family Foundation, whose main purpose it is to honor the lives of their three daughters by ensuring happy, healthy, and safe children um, through interactive, oops, nope, um, innovative educational programming, such as their central project called Beautiful Me, which is a self-esteem Aww. program for girls. Um, so it's unfortunate that, you know, something, you know, so much tragedy happened that day back in 2009 but it's nice that something um good could come out of it yeah through the the memory of the three of the girls that were yeah. killed that's just so ugh, there's just no answers on that one no. at all none so Thank um you. <laughs> you're so welcome i you know i hate to bring you such a bummer but it's again it's one of those cases yeah. that I, I remember when it happened mm-hmm. um I think also for me is that this when this happened, it was around this like probably a year or two after I started driving, and just mm. like the, the just the the thought of yeah. being behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. I mean, just I mean, I, I I get anxious sometimes when I drive in general, just because like bad drivers on the road, and you know people are like swerving out of lanes, and just mm-hmm. like, but just like the idea that this that someone who is in charge of these babies. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! What a um, fucking nightmare! It's a true nightmare. Um, and uh, if you want to know mo- know more about it, um, there's plenty of hot takes on Reddit. Yeah. Um, and also, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. is a very interesting documentary. Um, but I just it is told basically from the context of or from the perspective of Daniel Schuler. So mm-hmm. it's very much like when I watched it, I was very much like, oh my God, there was more to the story. There's no way she could have been drunk because it's he and his. I think his sister mm-hmm. or sister-in-law who are kind of spearheading this. Right. Um, and there's more nuance and kind of back and forth of the private investigator findings. And um, so it's really trying to poke holes in the story. But as I sit with it now, it's kind of like when you watch the staircase yeah. and you're like, yeah. Oh, like he's the protagonist of the story. There's no way he could have murdered his wife. And then suddenly like you like sleep on it and then you're like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, he totally did. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's an interesting documentary. It's fucking upsetting, actually. And I and I will say, don't watch documentary if you are um, squeamish because they do show crime scene photos of the crash. Great. Okay. <sighs> well, that was a really good time for everyone involved. Yeah. Um. Thank you so much. You are welcome so much. That's what I'm here for is to just bring bring in the noise, bring in the funk. <laughs> thank you, BB. All right. Well, in true RWF fashion. I'm going to, you know, it's time for a bitch session and I'm going to complain about something super, super trivial. This one actually is like particularly bitchy, great. Um, which is great. But I just, yeah, I want to complain about when, <laughs> when Uber slash taxi slash Lyft drivers just want to talk to you. Oh, <laughs> and I know that sounds, that nope. sounds horrible. No, like, you are. I'm could not be in more in agreement, especially when you're like you're in the car by yourself and you have like they're taking you like the airport or like they're you have like a journey ahead of you and you get in the car and immediately they are ready to chat. Yep. And I'm like, I I understand like you're probably bored like you don't get to talk. You don't have the most social job like I, I'm sure you want to talk to people, but I'm just like it, I just I don't I really like my alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I. I had I, I took an Uber yesterday where the the guy was 
my driver was a very, very nice person, but immediately from the minute I sat down, he, he wanted to have a conversation and he kept doing this bit. Oh no. Where he would say like, yeah, well, first of all, yes, he asked me what I do for work, what I majored in in college. Like I was like, like, this is is a lot. Um, but he kept doing this bit where he would say, what's your favorite food? And I would say, like, I don't know what I said. Candy corn. Yeah, candy corn. And he was like, (laughs) what's your least favorite food? And I was like, I I don't know. I don't really like seafood. And then he would say, okay, I'm allergic to fish. So sucks. Yeah. But then and then he would say, like, okay, whenever you get any seafood, just bring it to me. And I'm like, okay, ha ha ha. Really funny. And then literally goes, what's your your favorite dessert? What's your least favorite dessert? Okay, well, anything that you don't want, you can just bring it to me. And he literally, he did that with like seven different things. And I was like, okay, I understand the bit that you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really not that funny. Wasn't funny the first time. Yeah. Certainly wasn't funny the second time. I'm uncomfortable. I'm by myself. I really just want to leave. Oh my God. Um, and it was getting weirdly personal. So. Great. Yeah. Don't do that. Just don't talk just to don't, me. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't talk, talk to me to ever. People. Yeah. Um. Great. So my complaint of this week isn't really a complaint. Oh, okay. Because, so my complaint is that, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I've been keeping a secret from you. Oh my God. And my complaint is that I've had to do it for so long, for six months. Okay. And so, as you as you know, you and I are seeing my favorite murder in October in a couple weeks. Yeah. And I told you when I got the tickets that I just got like regular general mission. Yeah. Uh, for your birthday. And I lied. Oh my God. We got VIP tickets. Oh my God, shut up. We're sitting in the second row. <laughs> and we're meeting Karen and Georgia after the show. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm losing my mind right now. I need to cancel the podcast. So, I can't talk. So my complaint is that I've had to keep that to myself <laughs> like for six months. And oh my God. Um, so happy birthday. Best. I'm going to hug you as soon as I can get up from Please my don't. microphone. I'm so sweaty. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's not even really complaints oh more that my, my big lie of 2018. I was literally going to ask, like, I was thinking about that recently. I was like, I wonder if we have assigned seats. Like, I wonder where we're going to be. Like, probably the balcony. Like, row B on the aisle. Grant. <laughs> this is too much. This is very absurd. I love you. I love you. And oh I God. love doing this podcast with you. And I love that it's your birthday and we can do this together. So oh any God. of you murderinos out there, you might be seeing Grant Bailey Oh my at god! The my favorite murder show, guys. Stop! Don't listen to this podcast. Just, no, no, just no. listen to my favorite murder. No, no. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! Thank you, baby. Um, you're welcome. You. So yeah, it's not even really a complaint, but um, that's amazing. Had to throw that in there. Oh my god. Okay. Well, when this when this episode comes out, isn't it like a couple days before we go? I think so. <gasps> so you'll you'll hear our full full recap of that event. Oh my god. Um, okay, well, I honestly can't go on, so let's just end this now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, um, you can find us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at RWF Podcast. Send your emails to rwfpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, bye, bitches. Bye, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>